Right, ladies and gentlemen, straight in with it. I'm really, really excited to be speaking to Alex from Thinking Slow today. How are you doing, man? I'm very well, thanks. It's it's an honor to be on Scum Media. <laughs> it's an honor to have you here because like my um I, I like dispelling psyops and kind of try, you know getting people to think about stuff they might not have thought about. And um, a lot of people that I've spoken to listened to your Delling pod and were like, this is, this is great. This is exactly what we need. So can you just quickly like explain Thinking Slow and the mission statement of what you're doing? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I, I tumbled into this whole mess uh, through the through maths, basically. I'm a physicist by background or trained in physics. And I got into the... Um, the numbers from the diamond princess and at that point i realized more or less this whole thing was a total catastrophe so the ferguson modeling was completely wrong and therefore everything downstream from there was wrong i thought that would be the end of this whole nonsense but it just carried on so um out of exhaustion i i just ended up setting up a social media account which i'd never ever used in the past and um, and it's just rolled from there. As you said, it goes from one psyop to the next, and we make sort of catastrophic mistakes in, in COVID. We're repeating that in net zero. We're repeating that in war, proxy war with Russia. So it's sort of one, it's a rolling catastrophe at the moment based on psyops. So I think maybe like others, you know, my little complaint about maths has has gone into a rabbit hole which diverges off into media, psyops, uh, applied psychology, politics, et cetera, et cetera. And um, about, about, about a year and a half ago now, I, I sort of expanded the group. So we're now, we're now about 12 people, um, quite well qualified, and but quite diverse backgrounds. And uh, we, we're covering a, a few of these issues collectively and still putting out videos. But more importantly, we're writing to MPs saying this, you know, whatever it happens to be, like we're doing excess deaths now is wrong. And you guys need to be looking at this and debating it. So, you know, we, we've discussed in other podcasts that MPs are not, not the most useful uh, sort of body of people the last few years, but that's those are the tools we have. So that, that's what we're doing. Yeah, it's not really about, um, oh, we know the MPs aren't on our side. It's just about making sure that you've exhausted all the um, proper routes for doing this stuff. Like, did you, were you following when Mark Sexton and those guys did the big evidence dump in the police stations? And it's pretty much, yeah, okay, it's not actually going to get done. They're going to ignore it. But you can say you've done it now. And a lot of this for you guys is yeah. about keeping those receipts yeah, hundred percent. I mean, and I, you know, I, I'm this one. Well, we we didn't actually do it. I think Doctors for COVID Ethics, which is Professor Bakhti's organization, has actually set up a minefield around all of those regulators because they wrote to them all saying this vaccine has uh, potentially dangerous side effects. These are what they are. This is the science. You've been served notice. That's why guys like Bakhti are sort of oppressed because that's serious stuff. You know, that's a genuine threat to the sort of system at large. The guys tweeting out BS, pardon my French, that means nothing. The guys who put the paper trail and the science in, that's serious. And I, I totally agree with you that 
can't then be excused down the road as we didn't know or plausible deniability because you've lost your plausible deniability. Well, this is the point. We find ourselves in a very in a very odd time in this narrative, in this unfolding narrative. If we just focus on COVID and vaccines today, because um, you guys do cover everything, and when I scan down your Twitter, um, it's a real reminder of the gravity of all, facing all of these scams at once. But today, if yeah, if we focus on vaccines and all of this stuff. We are in a very strange position where I think the BBC is still like the broad mainstream media, the main five channels are kind of broadly ignoring it um, and still calling us anti-vaxxers and pretending it's not happening. Then there's also this, um, I would say trigonometry have basically been tasked with the great backpedaling. If you look at their output this year, one after another, they seem to have hosted like Dr. John Campbell, Piers Morgan. And and the three people that we really want to talk about today are Malhotra, Campbell and Bridgen. And it's from my perspective, it's to make this distinction between the public who may have got it wrong and these experts who actually were on the levers of power that were being supplied with all of this data that had a responsibility to check it through um these are people that are in a different position and you and me on twitter we find ourselves in the same position against this argument that's like well show some forgiveness to have you no compassion which which is a strange yeah. argument. So, yeah, can you talk to that for a bit? Sure, sure. I mean, firstly, I have to a confession to make. I am probably not the most forgiving guy. Unfortunately, it's it's one of my minuses. So, I, I'm, I'm I'm much more reluctant to hand over forgiveness maybe than I should be. But having said that, you know, know that it's the classic. You know, to err is human, and to to forgive is divine. So, you know, I, I understand you have to forgive people and people make mistakes and I make a lot of mistakes. So it's not it's not about being right. But, um, um, the, you know, the, the, I think the problem I'm having is having said that it's also naive to embrace people who are essentially against you and have shown themselves to be against you. And you just ignore that and say, oh, we're all together now let's hug and kiss and you're my friend. That's naivety. And I think in the world that we're in now, which is a lot of post-truth, uh, deceit, all kinds of not very good things going on, it's actually quite stupid to just go and hug people and say we're all together now. Because um, you know some of these guys are not your friends and, and the guys really pushing the agenda, we know at the top of this are very unpleasant people in the sort of oligarch you know really the top echelons of this the i mean just forced vaccination on its own is probably the most unpleasant diabolical policy ever maybe implemented on people in the uk the people that push that are real blanks i'm not going to say the word and you know they have they have instruments of power to get that policy through and those those instruments, not the people we should be hugging and saying, "Oh, we're all the best of friends now." And I, I guess we can we can flip to to Bridgen, uh, and I I also completely agree with you that there's there's obviously two levels of responsibility. There's people in positions of 
authority of some nature and you know dr campbell calling himself doctor and transmitting medical information to two and a half million people has an enormous duty to get his facts right which you know none of the rest of us have and and the rest of us are all at work doing our own thing we have the zero expectation we know about mrna vaccines or whatever else but a guy setting himself up and broadcasting he better have his facts straight so that's another reason i i think i'm agreeing with you that you don't forgive you know the guy next door i'm gonna forgive him not knowing anything about covid but the guy that transmitted medical um information and called himself doctor not then turning around and say oh, i didn't know that that doesn't work in his case it works for the guy next door but not not for 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 the um for the youtube sort of superstar so um i mean we can go to bridgen if that's okay with you because i think he's the one i have some now issues with raised by you actually when you ask that question ask him why did he vote for compulsory vaccination i, I was really an eye-opener for me uh because i'd never assumed he would have voted for it now that he's now that he's a hero of liberty because that was a situation in july 2021 where there was a big rebellion there was 246 MPs voted against that piece of legislation, including a lot of conservative people. Now, if anyone in the history of their lives had any kind of libertarian inclination, they would have voted against that awful piece of legislation. He voted for it. I cannot move beyond that and say, oh, well, you know, the science changed and yada, yada. You know, that to me is, is I, I'm going to make a conclusion based on that one vote that this guy is not a libertarian because of the circumstances we were in then. He could have easily, you know, the tiniest libertarian inclination would have made you vote against that. It was the most awful, oppressive piece of legislation possibly ever in the UK, and he supported it. So he's, I'm, there's just no way I'm going to buy his story. I mean, that's a really good point, is that it? I, my interpretation of what we've been through, it's more like Stockholm Syndrome, and you need to understand it from a psychological perspective rather than like politics as normal, where we're going to vote our way out of this. So you must have noticed the sort of amnesia effect on everyone, because nobody actually wants to sit and think about the last three years. The general public really don't want to think about it. And I find that there's overall not enough discussion of the worst things that were done to us um, from anyone, really. And I think that is a protection mechanism. But by delving into this one, it's a reminder that when we were going through that, there was this huge push for a coalition of people from all sides, like even if you were vaccinated or unvaccinated, that I'm sure the Together Declaration were like regularly meeting people like Desmond Swain and the sort of those backbencher names. I remember them coming up. And um, and this is something that's going on at the moment. Brynjian is repeatedly tweeting that he's the only one that has stood up for any of this. And it's not just a question at him. It's a question at all of them. Where does the coalition go? It does seem as if one of them steps forward and everyone else steps back. The first one of these was surely Charles Walker, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and this is, I mean, Bridgen is maybe not, the, I, I can give you maybe what I think is a better 
um, a better illustration of what you're saying, which is how does the how does the guy become uh, anointed to be the public face and the and the well known individual from a group where where he maybe has done less than all the others? Now Malhotra, for example, um, you know, Bhakti basically called this from right from the beginning. I think he's he's been a genuine hero. And you know the outcome for him has been um, uh, litigation in Germany with two criminal uh, cases against him. I think that that all speaks to this guy being a real threat. Now I can do some searches through Twitter, and I've, I find Joe Rogan has never mentioned, literally never mentioned Bakhti. Not the name Bakhti is hardly mentioned by anybody. Not by Joe Rogan. Not by Steve Kirsch not by Kennedy, nobody. It's like he doesn't exist, you know. And he has been, he's been a hero, no question. But you'll you'll type in Malhotra and they'll they'll mention this guy all the time. You get tons and tons of results from that search. You know, that he's on the show, he's a hero, he's a this, he's a that. Uh, and as as I said, I I think I think it's pretty deliberate, you know, how the people who are made popular are, cho are basically chosen it's not an organic process because you know i think like you there's many who would say you know where's um i thought what's it's his name is his name hope or chope uh sir christopher hope, yeah. hope it's, isn't it i think it is yeah it's christopher yeah, chope. He's yeah. Chope, uh, chope, yeah. yeah and he's yeah he's done a lot more in real in real world right from the beginning but he's no i don't even know his name but we all know bridgen and i i think that that split is somehow it's somehow managed in a way uh, that the people who are who are become well known are more malleable. Let's say, uh, putting it kindly, that they are more likely to cooperate with the system when the chips are down than than a guy like Bakhti won't cooperate with the system. He will go on principle, and you know you can sort of literally threaten him with jail, which is what they've done, and he will still go with principle. Now, I think a lot of these other guys who are famous um, will will maybe be more flexible and therefore, you know, that they're okay to be famous. That's why that we've fed those people, basically. And I think you've seen the bot work we've done. You know, we've shown that there's a lot of artificial amplification of these names and that's that's deliberate. It's not an accident. Well, yeah, you can you can sort of spot them a mile off. It was strange when Malhotra appeared; he was suddenly everywhere, and he was the one that Bridgen quoted in his speech. And I, I don't even remember where I sniffed this out, but I knew he was aiming at Rogan about two, three months before it happened. And from my perspective, like I'm recording this today, and I'm going to get this out later today because I think it's quite urgent that people get as close to the truth as they can as quickly as possible and make up their own minds and we all move forward. We're in a very urgent situation here. So why would there be a three-month wait on something this urgent? Because I, I knew the intention was to get on Rogan and then finally he did, yay. This is not a very legitimate way of going about things at all if you want to you know, get the truth out there. And um, I think what you're doing by bringing up these characters, remember who was there the whole time. And if the people that are now getting loud are not giving them their dues, we, we've got to ask why. Why is there no mention of Bhakti, especially with what, you know, with his recent win? Like that is a huge victory. Um, 
but it, it, Yeadon as well, right at the start. You know, there's there's a group of people who were there all along. And even like Piers Corbyn, you know, just going out and getting arrested over and over and over again. I think that these people deserve as much respect as you can give them. And it's our duty to remind people that they were there. Yeah. Well, on back to the only thing is a lot of people have said it's a big win, but they're appealing uh, his not guilty verdict. So he's, he's still not out of the woods, uh, um, just so people know that. But, but you know, uh, I mean, this is, we get now to the realities of life and the realities of life are, you know, people who are popular, who are not necessarily good people, who are good self-promoters. And, you know, you, you need a bit of self-promotion. If, if, you, if you're going to sort of do one of these courses, you, you do need, you know, um, th there is an element of superficiality if you're going to be successful in whatever whatever course you're pushing. Uh, but but it's gone to the point in my mind where it's only superficiality. So you know, you get a slick image, you get a you get some bot bot boosting traffic, and you know everyone will sit around and applaud this guy and call him a hero. And 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 I think that's a question for like this video is aimed at people in the audience to say who actually is on your side and who really is the hero because if you're gonna worship the guy who you can i can prove uh, was it really against you and giving you wrong information all the way through 2021 if you're going to worship him now because he's had a clean up through trigonometry and he's now a hero and you're going to stand there and clap your hands and send him money that's your problem you know you're being probably suckered into uh supporting the image and ignoring the guys with the substance mm. yeah i mean i mean campbell i think i think that one's been well and truly taken apart and the big red flag is the numbers on youtube the fact that he's still there um you know they want you to be there and that's clear as day and actually i don't know if you know about my history with trigonometry but in early 2020 i ran a bit of a trolling campaign against them because we could smell something was off and i would say we were looking at their social blade stats over six weeks and watching this dip and it became because there was about a thousand or so people downvoting each video each week because they refused to define far right and we wanted to force them to do that and they wouldn't do it. But what became obvious was that this channel was not allowed to fail. This was being propped up and like as soon as they got attacked by a bunch of trolls, suddenly they got more sponsors and more investment and their studio got upgraded and this kind of stuff. So trigonometry, I, I don't know any more than this, but I know that it is set up to not fail and is kind of there so that these people can be ushered on it and it can be used as this false truth platform. Um, but it's quite it's quite something to see it so naked now. Yeah, I mean, but I don't know. I mean, for us, it's naked because we've spent too much time probably looking at this stuff. But for the average punter, maybe, I mean, I think for the average punter, they're going to look at someone saying oh, oh i got it wrong and the science changed so i'm really sorry and they're going to go that's great to see him apologize and maybe we should give him a break and this is the problem people are well it's not a problem but people are by nature good-natured 
and inclined to believe. So if someone goes on a trigonometry podcast and says, I'm really, really sorry, when I said, you know, lock all of them until they're vaccinated, I was only kidding. It's only because I cared so much. And, you know, that was based on the science and this new science. And I'm really sorry. And that's it. That, you know, 90% of people, because they're forgiving and good natured, will say, okay, look, he's said his piece, mea culpa, leave him alone. And this guy's done it over and over again. And therefore, I'm not going to buy. I'm not buying. Sorry, you're selling. I'm not buying. Uh, this guy is not my friend, uh, regardless of your trigonometry sort of uh, perfume spray spray on the operation. I'm not buying it. No, um, but so, I think it's, it's, but, it's uh, yeah, I mean, that. I was just going to say with Campbell, there's two years of very obvious receipts. It's like, well, people I mean, I know people that trusted him um and and we're still following him and he and it, i think it was because he was on this approved level and there are certain people that sort of think this way and until it hits joe rogan they won't go there and i only know this because i've known some of them that got vaccinated and it was only okay to question it when it hit that sort of john campbell level because anything underneath on bit shoot and odyssey and rumble well that's just you know that's nonsense so it does work yeah. Yeah, and again, it goes back to people need to decide where they're going to get truth from. And um, uh, as I said, you need a bit of has some image and, and a bit of trickery, but you need to get your truth from people who you feel you can really trust, who, you know, who, who are doing whatever they're doing. Okay, they need to make a living, but they're doing it for the right reasons and they're trustworthy. And as long as we keep following the likes of Campbell, or not, we're not following him, but the people that do follow him, you're just going to go round and round in circles with this guy. Mm. I mean, he has now, I, you know, I have exposed from the sort of from the 2020 period that he's lying about the efficacy of the vaccine. And now he's getting hit from the other side, exposing that he's actually overstating and lying about the harms from the vaccine, which is true. This his last video on multiple scler sclerosis involved a lot of trickery, selective quoting, and all kinds of other stuff. So he's getting hit from both sides now, which is, uh, which is, I think, is good. But you know, people that still follow him, they're going to get that. You know, they're 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 in the wrong place if they want honest information, really. And yeah. on him, as as um, as as I I've said, he's he made his company, newly incorporated company, now has one point one million pounds in cash on its account. And that's largely, I would guess, through social media traffic. He literally became a millionaire pushing this thing. So, But to make it clear, your theory um, doesn't rest on the idea that like, he's getting the call from Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates. It's much more no, that no. the system is set up with such an incentive structure that somebody was always going to float to the top of the YouTube algorithm pushing the vaccine because it allows for that and encourages that. And I think that guy has ended up being Dr. John Campbell, and he is a very, very unscrupulous character. And it's it's more of the happy accident thing than the idea that this guy was plucked by the oligarchs for that role. Is that fair to say? Yeah, 100%. You know, the, the idea idea there's an army of people being contacted from Davos is is ludicrous but as as you said it's all about the incentives and you know what is the conspiracy is and we've seen it now it's out in the open 
happen, you know, the conspiracy of setting up those incentives. So, um, you know, the guy that says the right thing on YouTube uh, gets rewarded and the guy that says the wrong thing gets deleted. And I think it was Alistair Williams that said, you know, massive social media success is a huge red flag. It's so true. You know, anyone who's massively successful, even today on social media, that's a big red flag. You know, why is that happening? Because you know the you know the people, the opposite side, the people telling the truth, you know are getting deleted. I've had I had my channel deleted. I never lied once on that channel, but it was deleted, you know. So why is what's happening with the guy who's ultra successful? That means he's not telling the truth. You know, it's it's almost obvious when you think about it. Yeah, can we focus on your findings about Twitter bots for a bit as well? Alistair Williams is a great example because like everyone listening to this right now will know who he is. He's very, very well known among our guys. Um, yeah, if you were to look at his Twitter, his engagement is, I would say, like reasonable. It doesn't look very botty to me. It's the kind of stuff that I'm used to where, where you mentioned this on the Delling pod. If you get into the hundreds, like you're basically doing well, you'll... People like us, you'll tweet and some of them, you'll get bugger all on them. Um, obviously, there are these figures where it, they basically just get handed the script. So Deborah Meaden tweets something about how Putin is, you know, we need to crush Putin and defend Ukraine. And it's immediately on 75K. Yeah, yeah. OK, that's that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Gary Lineker falls into that category as well. But I did notice that... Yeah, that yeah. There is this overall boosted engagement that was even operating on, like, I, I I don't think every like on, let's say, like a Bob Moran tweet is necessarily a, a human being. I think everything is sort of boosted to make the platform yeah. seem like there's more energy teeming in it. Yeah, completely, completely. I mean, my theory of how it works very quickly is... There are activists on the left woke side who set up, up enormous bot operations, and that will cover your Deborah Meadens, your Gary Lineker's, um, you know, your your um, Sarah Sarah Sultana, Burgeon, you know, all of those left figures will all get massive. As you said, I mean, I think um, I think uh, it doesn't matter, but Gary Lineker said the weather's nice or something. You know, that's that's a twenty thousand k like it's like completely crazy uh but that that will cover that group and, that, and my theory is twitter understands that oh if we just leave things at that you will only ever see woke neo-marxist tweets ever so they figure out okay well we need to we need to balance this out somehow because otherwise it doesn't work and the right just going to go away so i think there's a there's a group there's there's a there's certainly a group of sort of bots, I'm, I'm not sure who runs them, but they have to counterbalance the leftist activists and bot farms that do exist. Otherwise, like you said, the, the, the dynamic's gone. So there's a whole group of un, unclaimed, let's say, bots. And I, I think your, your right-wing heroes, or I'm not right-wing, libertarian, whatever, but our, our heroes will get, anyone who's famous will get that traffic. Mm. And that, that will be to sort of offset the the left traffic and then there's just a third there's a third well there's third group is charlatans who buy traffic 
And I think I can stick my neck out and say this new anti-WEF. Have you seen that on Twitter? It's like a new thing, suddenly gone to 100,000. They're raising money. We hate Schwab. That's like a total scam in my in my book. Um, so, so you've got self-promoters just buying uh, Twitter. And then, of course, you've got these like deep state agenda things like Ukraine. Ukraine runs huge, huge bot uh, operations. So anyone that says Slava Ukraine will get you know, thousands of likes. So... That's the kind of dynamic, and you're right. That means that even the people we like, we have to acknowledge, have a ton of fake traffic. Once you're over, I would I would say once you're over four or five hundred likes, the more you go from there, the incremental traffic is incrementally botty. So you know these these multiple thousand likes will be stuffed full of bots. Doesn't matter who it is, you know, it can be your favorite Tucker Carlson hero, it'll be stuffed full of bots. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's just sort of it's going to keep the conflict going to keep people arguing and yeah. just keep the platform um sort of number one social media site i do i mean i was banned before elon um made the changes so i appreciate that i'm back um and you do seem to be able to get away with things that you weren't able to get away with before so on that basis i'm like you know looks like an improvement to me but it is still basically a mess over there that you can't you can't trust any of the figures or what you're being shown no no but also and i i'm the worst defender here it is a giant waste of time really in in the grand scheme of things uh and and we know actually you know a twitter kind of world is the end game for this great reset i mean it's been documented we've done a film about it if you look at um um, if if you look at the Microsoft patent, the patent is you're sitting in a box, essentially hooked up, physically hooked up to a computer, and that's your life. So you know this is the grand dream. You don't move anywhere. You don't you don't generate any carbon. You, you do as you're told, <laughs> and you just sit there. And you don't you know you don't cause any trouble. You don't meet other people. Uh, you don't get politically active. And that that is the end game. And Twitter is part of that. I think that you know we. Well, I spend way too much time doing achieving absolutely zero on that platform. Um, and it, it's addictive and, uh, you know, I, I can feel it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also... But it's fake, like you said. Well, I find it more sort of repulsive as time goes on. I quite enjoyed being back to begin with, but pretty much every time I open the app now, like I'm not really tricked by it as much. So it just like angers me that I have this thing on my phone anyway. That it's useful for getting in contact with people like you and setting up interviews. That's basically when I'm doing Twitter well and everything else is a waste of time, as you've said. But um I think we should move on to like this the specific case against Bridgen and um should we talk about this open letter as well? I'm hoping people have read the open letter and the bridge too far article as well but i thought it raised yeah. some points it's it's a very good letter um and it's depressing for i think everybody when you first read it because you know the reality is we need organization to get any kind of change and reform but see so, so you can't you can't sit on your own in um splendid isolation and achieve change so there has to be a degree where you have representatives and some kind of structure, which means you're sort of giving up your, you know, you're, you're, you're giving up your, not liberty, but your voting rights to somebody to represent you. And then 
then you get into sort of uh, muddy waters, you know, personal conflicts, uh, ambitions, egos, everything else. Um, so I think that the Miri AF letter is very good in telling you, it doesn't really tell you more or less don't trust anyone, but there's a bit of a flavor of that. And and that 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 doesn't work either. You can't be in splendid isolation. You have to trust someone somewhere along the way. And, you know, the point of our videos, who do you trust? But it's a good letter in that it, it raises some good points. And I think the biggest point for me, if we're talking about bridging, is like how useful is collecting quarter of a million pounds on a uh, on a on a liable uh, claim versus anything else we could that could be done with that money for vaccine injured, and that's a good question. And I think like a lot, of, you know, then the the other one, uh, you know, skipping to Malhotra is the film. How useful is that film in twenty twenty four whenever it comes out about pharma corruption? You know, what is that film going to achieve? Now it might achieve something, but to me, it's not where the action is right now. You know, if you've got a platform uh, and you see all the problems that we have in front of us, real problems, would you go off and make a film? No, I. You know, there, there are there's a room for films, and some people need to make them, but that's that's not where the action is. And I think that's the question she raised in that uh, bridge too far. Definitely recommend everyone reads it, but it's maybe it's maybe too far. You can't trust anyone. That's, that doesn't work. Either. you've got to trust someone so but it does raise it does raise some big questions it's oh, a sort of roundabout answer but yeah i mean since this all kicked off in 2020 the most regular question about people left right and center is are they controlled opposition and i think it's kind of a useless question you're not you're not really asking yeah. the right question um yeah. so, so the stuff in that letter it's just a bit more meaty and it's stuff that does demand an explanation uh, you know it, yeah. it's, I, i've been doing a lot of videos about court cases at the moment particularly libel and like it's unwinnable i'm sorry that's a that's a waste of bloody money that is and it's um and it's completely unconnected to our goals and it's very it's, it's, it's a very vain thing to do. It's a very sort of American thing to do. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and it's very, very reasonable to ask that as a question. It's like, how does this benefit us? Suing Matt Hancock for quarter of a, or raising a quarter of a million of our money. And what you say about this film as well, I don't think I knew much about Mal Hotra making a film, but Safe and Effective didn't require any money the guys that made that they make their money through other film work and then on the weekends presumably they charged around the country filming people who'd been injured and made the film like you, you don't need yeah. to raise yeah. a huge amount of money to do this yeah now he's on nine dollars 99 per month per month per person so we're talking everyone has to chip in 120 dollars a year for this to be part of this film uh and that's a film that's promoted heavily through joe rogan you know one of the biggest platforms in the world so you know how much is he going to be able to co collect I, I worked out he could easily be having half a million dollar annual income from that easily and then as you said you know what's the point of this film and again it goes to motivation and you know you're looking at form over substance are you looking at someone who's there for the self-promotion for the money or to change society for the better um you know and to some extent those things are all might overlap but it's a question of degree 
And, uh, you know, I've made my decision, okay, that guy is the number one for self-promotion, number two for money, number three benefits of society. So I'm not going to waste any time sending him his $9.99 a month or doing anything else with this guy. I'm just going to ignore what he's up to and try and explain to other people, like you said, ask the question. You know, this, you know, was flipping to Malhotra a bit, but, you know, what's his utility been? He made unfounded assertions about vaccine safety when it counted in 2020, 2021. And he's going to put a film out in maybe 2024 that's going to cost a lot of money about something we all know about. What's his utility to libertarian cause? That, and that's what I'm asking. Mm, yeah. And, and the thing is, I've interviewed people who've been vaccine injured who have spoken to Malhotra directly on on the basis of him being a cardiologist who's looking for answers for them. And on that basis, apparently he is like pulling his weight. If if you've got him on the phone and your heart is not working, he is a useful contact to have. So like I can't hold that against him, but we're talking about something very different here. And so like Joe Rogan is a fascinating character in this because I believe he does have the power and the influence to basically break the story. You know, he mainstreamed this COVID skepticism by having McCulloch and Malone on, who are again, they're two characters that I haven't followed particularly closely, but it almost looks like a slightly different wing to what I find myself in. And so, so yeah, my perspective on Rogan is he has an, an enormous responsibility to be hosting people like this as quickly as he can um, if they seem to be doing the right thing. But it's very telling that he confidently will say he didn't take the vaccine, but he did not warn anyone not to take the vaccine for those three years. He waited and then he has McCulloch and Malone on and and sort of blows the lid of it. But you knew not to take it. And you didn't warn your enormous audience. So yeah, I I feel very funny about that guy. I don't know about him, but I mean, I my my I have a I have a sort of three points um, genuine opposition checklist, which is um, you know did the did did the person in question suffer financially or or from career wise uh, were they sort of banned or restricted in some way on social media. And, you know, what is their position logically consistent? Um, and someone, I, I, you know, if you do that with McCulloch, you get three three ticks. You know, there's no question, mm. you know, he ticks all of those boxes. If you do that with, with a John Campbell, you get no ticks at all. And, you know, that to me has always been, and it's not 100%, but I, I always think about those three criteria and that helps you to sort. So, so not everyone who's hyper-famous is there, because they're control, you know, not controlled opposition, but they're artificially there. But some, some are, and some are genuine, and it's quite difficult to sort one from the other. But mm -hmm. I, I, I definitely think in McCulloch's case, he's there. You look at the history of what he said, when the consequences for him personally, and I, I've no doubt he's the real deal. Yeah, yeah, um, and I'd go with you on that one. It, it's, but I see Joe Rogan as. Yeah, literally the gatekeeper. He allows McCullough yeah. onto the platform, and now it's okay to talk about this. So, do you have any thoughts on on basically what's going on here in terms of 
it's now allowed you're now allowed to talk about this like who on earth is making that decision yeah just one one point on timing if you do a um if you do a constantine kiss and search for the word vaccine you will find essentially not one single word until around about november 2021 right so all the action is basically over at that point yeah. now i i you know someone can do that you can try the experiment do yourself on twitter you might find one or two in september or you, you know you might but that's not a gotcha you're not seeing anything substantive until well towards the very end of 2021 now this is the biggest issue we've ever faced really well not biggest ever but very big um and where was he right through 2021 and then like you said the opposition starts coming up when when it's over the vaccination program is over essentially by October 21 and then he's popping up and, he, and he's making a film about um um you know how bad it was that care home workers or an NHS were threatened with vaccine he made the, I don't remember exactly when he made the film but it was literally a year or two years after the legislation was being discussed and he was nowhere at the time mm. and that's what you've got to look for it's like once the horse has bolted these guys come out and start you know being anti-whatever <laughs> you have to ask you know what where have you been all this time yeah and i guess i guess your model of the world needs to be that yeah you've got the media which is the bbc and and, and the big guns but and then there's this other ring around it, which is still it's still basically that same circle. There's no there's no real difference because, I mean, it, what was most telling was when Constantine kissing. There was this little TikTok video of him sitting down with Piers Morgan and going, "So now that we're good mates, and I mean the brass balls on someone uploading a video where they say to Piers Morgan, now that we are good mates, like, do you not know mm-hmm. what's going to happen to your reputation by admitting to being good mates with Piers Morgan? Like, it, it, they're, they're very, very obvious. And it does. And GB News as well. I think GB News is another one where people go, well, as long as it's like, you know, as long as we've got something, I would actually see it as just the last dying breath of a dinosaur medium. Like GB News, I do like Neil Oliver and Mark Stein did what he could with it um, until he wasn't allowed to anymore. But you're you're watching a relic here. This shouldn't, like, GB News shouldn't really survive into the future because... It, it's an old tired format then and, and the reason it's not working and you're getting so frustrated with it freedom movement is because it's still under Ofcom and there's nothing that can be done about that if it's a if it's a regular tv channel yeah. it's got invest you know ultimately it's got investors and unless they're unless they're philanthropists they need a return on the investment so that immediately constrains so many things you can and can't do mm. as well as Ofcom as you said yeah. So so I mean, do you have any more positive thoughts on on what some good options are? I think that there's nothing wrong with us being heavily critical and scrutinizing what's going on at Reclaim if they're kind of supposed yeah. to be representing our sides. It's not even the case of like whether yeah. or not we vote for them. It's that they they are representing our side. Um 
and therefore we should be asking questions. We don't just ask them of the vaccine manufacturers and and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. But it does seem impossible that there's going to be any kind of political route through if even that is is not looking good. Yeah, but uh, I think this is the, the problem. And I, I hope my friends excuse me on Alliance for Democracy and Freedom, but I think they're the real deal. I really like them a lot and I, I've done some stuff for them. But, uh, you know, without being critical, they, they, they're lacking a little bit the sort of the razzmatazz. Like I said, you, you do need the sort of razzmatazz to be successful in that area. But they have all of the substance and all of the integrity and all, all of the knowledge, but they haven't quite got the the sort of self-promotion that maybe that, I mean, this is, again, this is the ultimate sort of uh, paradox and this, you know, elbow the way to the top of the top of the, the greasy pole. That's the paradox. And uh, someone like the Alliance for Democracy and Freedom, they have it all in terms of knowledge and integrity, but they don't have maybe enough of the self-promotion and the brass neck to, to get going. So that there's people out there, and I think Heritage I got a lot of time for as well. You know, he was there, you know, there's no question about it. He was there on the freedom rallies, uh, David Curtin, nobody else was there. He was there, and for that, he should always be acknowledged and, you know, and we should always choose him over a bridge, and in my view, I'm just thinking out loud, but, you know, to me, I'm never gonna give my vote to Bridgen before I give it to, before I give it to David Curtin. He's, he, David Curtin is gonna be 10 leagues ahead of Bridgen when it comes to any kind of, I trust this guy, here's my vote. It is so funny that you make that comparison because I've met Bridgen once and it was um out it was after vaccine injured rally in January in London and um we popped into a pub uh on Downing Street and um yeah it was Mark Sexton, Andrew Bridgen and David Curtin and I just sort of walked up to them and was like, Okay, this is a power group. I'm gonna get a beer and join this. Um but that point you just made was right there. Andrew Bridgen, this guy that I, is new on the block, quite frankly. Me, Curtin, and Sexton have seen a lot of each other over the last three years, and this is this is a new guy. You're standing next to David Curtin. It's going to be very difficult to look good, and that's I've always held that image in my mind of like, I mean, it, I actually do think David Curtin is. Pro if you did a, an accurate poll of name your favorite politician you'd get two responses you'd get they're all just as bad as each other i wouldn't give them the time of day and david Curtin fans because there is literally no one else he's the only person yeah. so i think i think he is the most popular politician in the country but the machinery in the system is such that he's never going to make any progress because it's just that yeah. corrupt well, never say never, you know, and, and we're looking, I think we're looking at a hundred year, I mean, I really think this is a hundred year cycle now, uh, you know, this, this is going to take decades, and I think already a lot has happened now, and I, I've just been looking yesterday at Ukraine, but, the, you know, without getting into the details, but you can see people are not buying the propaganda. Now, that's changed, I think, quite a lot in the last three years, because we've all been shafted over the COVID rubbish people are now so much more cynical and smart than they were. And they know that if some idiot politician says the Russians did this, there's every chance they didn't do that. Now that that's quite a big, it, it's not like a marginal change that they're more skeptical. It's like 
they're going to say the politician's lying. It's, and I think now that's a big majority, actually. Whatever a politician says, a majority now will assume they're lying. And that's that's a change. People are wising up. So, uh, and that's, a, and I, I also, I'm, I was also naive in many respects, uh, you know, four, four years ago. Uh, and so I've wised up a lot and a lot of other people have. And, and it's, that's not going to stop now, I don't think. People yeah. are going to keep educating themselves. So, you know, I he's not going to win the general election in whenever it is. Uh, but, you know, 20 years down the road, the thing he's set up now and it's moving, it may, that may win the general election or 30 years or whatever many years it is, but it's a long time away. Yeah, I, I'm anticipating a lot of systems collapsing because they're not fit for purpose and other things being yeah. built in their place, which is a very different route to power than than we're looking at. And I don't think we want to I don't think we want power to even exist in the same way. We don't want to allow for anything like Yeah, no, it has to it has to be completely changed. Um I I mean I believe in the in the in the scaffolding of what we have. You know, the the scaffolding of what we have is 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 taken thousands of years to construct but this what's inside that scaffolding is all junk it needs to be thrown out and yeah. it needs to, we need to start again basically yeah i mean i i get a lot of scoffs when i just i label myself we don't like labels obviously because they're useless but i quite like calling myself an anarchist and it's basically yeah. just look where we are and i don't think libertarian states the case enough for this state of emergency yeah, yeah. i also think there's a massive psyop against anarchism to make it look like terrorism that's why yeah. it's sort of linked yeah. to molotov cocktails and balaclavas and stuff when it's not um and i think we are in an incredibly dire situation in terms of our taxation and where that money goes and the way that we are lied to and robbed from and i have even just started thinking more quite deeply about robin hood and the idea that that character has a real meaning for us in this country and everyone appreciates the story and understands how it could be good to steal from the rich to give to the poor so like what are your thoughts on taxation at the moment in the uk Well, it's it's not something I've really I've really thought much about because I'm I'm still uh, coming at, at this from very fundamental things like you know do you value uh, substance over form you know integrity things like that I think that's that's the building block that's lost um, and and until that bit of it's fixed everything else becomes kind of technical nuances like taxation and whatever else it happens to be I think we need to, I, and that's why I like um, David Curtin, it's unashamedly a sort of Christian ethics-based political movement. And I'm I'm sort of quite into that right now. So, you know, taxation, um, when you've got a, you know, when you've got a political civil service system captured essentially by corporate and oligarchy interest, it doesn't matter. You know, you can talk percentages of rebates and you know this tax or that tax that the system is rotten essentially it doesn't work in the interests of ordinary folk it's trying to mold those they've decided really the big change has been they've decided they need to they need to herd us into this great reset i mean that's just a fact that they've decided that 
and they're now our masters and they need to apply all these tools of applied psychology, taxation, rules, regulations, punishments to herd us into this dystopia that they've decided. And that's that's the issue. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, th- I think you know, tax then doesn't make uh, any sense in that environment because they'll just spend it on their own dystopia that they're trying to build. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, well, the big one um, at the moment is is UBI. They're going to trial UBI into towns, and I've seen people, um, you know, making the arguments against it and reacting against it and saying, well, they tried it here and it didn't work, and this is all a trap to get you in your social credit system. And I, when it comes to money, I'm, I I just, like, they make it up, don't they? Yeah. they? Just print it whenever the hell they want, and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're now. So, like money itself is just a total fiction to me and if they did if there was a no strings attached 1600 quid a month or whatever i'd be like yeah you know what the world's burning why not <laughs> but not if i had to accept- yeah i mean that's uh yeah i i mean uh I, I i it's it's obviously an instrument of control once you're financially dependent on someone it's game over so uh you know it's it's a classic ma- mafia loan sharking trick uh, you know, that's essentially what it is. Yeah. And uh, I, as you said, they can just print it. And once you're dependent on it and you're not no longer personally autonomous, then then you've had it. And yeah. so I'm, I'm very much of that view. I mean, I obviously there's a small vanguard of people that are obsessive about this stuff and they do their research and they have the conversations and they went to stand in the park or whatever. Um, I don't know what that percentage is five ten who knows um and but that but actually the percentage of people that are following the narrative that let's say alistair campbell puts out about boris lying and say oh my god i can't believe he lied about the party i mean that is a tiny sliver of the population based on my my conversations with people there's there's like one guy I can think of that would still vote Labour and still kind of reacts to to these weird ser- stories that are served up on Question Time. The vast majority just don't like it, but I don't think they understand the extent of it. Basically, I think that's where we are. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's now become widely understood that party politics is really theatre, and that's also covered in that um, Miri AF uh, letter that it's... I I thought the same thing independently, that if I look at Question Time now, uh, I just see a giant, extraordinarily expensive Punch and Judy show. I don't see any... I don't see people fighting for policies or things that are really going to help. It's just a total circus, I... It makes it makes me sick to watch it, to be honest. Um, it's it, and it used to be good. I I think that's. I mean, maybe I don't know how much of that's because I've wised up. Versus, it's really changed. Uh, I do think in the old days, you know, the dispatch box um, give and take. Uh, w- w- there was some usefulness to that, and having the dialectic. You know, one side sitting opposite the other can generate solutions, but it it's generated into a completely pointless punch and Judy show. So. I think a lot of people are off party politics now. In my, in the working group we have, we we never never discuss anything, zero interest in anything political. You know what's formally considered to be political, no interest at all. 
Well, actually, there's there's other issues I'm looking at where the most successful organisations, I think, are non-political and non-legislative and no religious affiliation either. They're just like, we believe this and we're driving forth for it. Like, I've been watching a lot of stuff about people fighting Pornhub, basically. And, and mm-hmm. the, the way that they are appealing to people on that one is just just show the immorality you don't appeal to left or right on this one you just say look this is a problem and we need to deal yeah. with it and i think they're making great progress so that's so that is right no one it like and yeah you do you've got the last sort of remnants of if we are de facto on the right wing then there are these kind of voices like your candace owens or whatever that say things that like that I might agree with. She was very consistent against lockdowns and vaccines, but I don't care about that fight to score points against the left. I think that whole yeah. thing is very much crumbling as well. So I, I think I'm like you, that I have a, a huge amount of faith in stuff like the Heritage Party and these other very small parties, but not not in the way that um, a Reclaim or a Farage would be looking at it, which is at the next general election, you know, we'll stand this many MPs. It's much more just about getting people together, knowing each other and starting to build something that's much more long term. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's... it's... Decentralisation. Yes. Yeah. Localism. Um, no, it, it's been great to talk to you today. I think the I think the question that we've got to kind of leave on is like, I'll pick Bridgen as the example of the three. But what would he have to do for us to root for him at this point? What would have to change for us to go, you know what? Yeah, I'm behind this guy again. Yeah, I mean, as I said at the beginning, I'm I'm not the I'm not the most generous person with forgiveness, so I'm probably a bad person to ask. But to be to be brutally honest with you, I think anyone that voted to forcefully vaccinate half a million of my fellow citizens with a vaccine that they knew did not prevent transmission that had terrible side effects, I will never ever support that person really i mean it's it's almost unthinkable the circumstances uh it it, it just it's going to take years of penitence uh absolutely genuine and you know but i, I mean we're talking years you know not to say oh gee, gee i'm sorry that's it let's go give me your vote uh that i i i i'm just i anyone that voted for that legislation i don't think i'm ever going to be able to trust or support in any way and 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 this is the thing is like we're doing this podcast and having these conversations to say to just say clearly if that's not your line where is it because you're making a gray area here guys and i don't see any logical reason why that couldn't include matt hancock down the line if you're allowing for this why are you not allowing for that what is your line because we know where ours is <laughs> 